This is How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. Where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. What's up, guys? Welcome back to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. I'm Coach John. I'm sitting here at the table, as always, with Aaron. Aaron, what is up, man? Hey, John. I'm excited to be here once again. You know I love getting in the studio and recording some episodes. Absolutely. And today, I'm really pumped because we are talking about MMA's influence on pro wrestling. Yes, indeed, guys. MMA's influence on pro wrestling. Real quick, before we dive into it, have you guys visited our website? I want you to jump on over there, How to Become a Pro Wrestler. Thankific.com and join our mailing list. Click sign up now, drop us an email, and we will send you some really awesome stuff directly to your inbox. It's free, guys, free pro wrestling training delivered right to your inbox every single week. There's some really cool videos going up in there. Please join us up. So, like Aaron mentioned, today we are going to talk about mixed martial arts influence on professional wrestling. MMA has had a meteoric rise in popularity. The UFC has, has really been the, the catalyst for all of that. Um, it's exploded. It's major, major business nowadays. And because it's so popular, because the average guy, the average gal, um, everyone loves it and is watching it and is educated on it, pro wrestling has had to transform just a little bit. So today, we're going to take you through some of the things that pro wrestling has had to evolve to really mix in with this mixed martial arts stuff and also things that pro wrestling really needs to evolve, really needs to step up, things that are happening on a indie level, you know, here around locally, things that are happening on a national scale, things that are happening on, on an international scale, even with WWE, I think there are plenty of things that they are still getting wrong when it comes to transferring the realistic nature of MMA to the pro wrestling world. So we're going to talk about some of that cool stuff today, and we're going to get right into it. So here's something very, very basic. Let's talk about striking, because MMA has taught people that a single, solid, well-connecting punch to the face is going to end a fight yeah. a lot of times. If it's not, if it doesn't end a fight, it's going to mess you up, like, like full-blown disorient you and, and you're going to be almost down if not completely down so think about that guys think about what we do in pro wrestling think about like, I'll, I'll go to the the other extreme so you know you've got one end of the scale you've got mma they land a solid punch you're out and then you've got pro wrestling where one of the most popular classic vintage pro wrestling techniques is for the baby face the good guy to put the bad guy in the corner climb up on the second rope right in front of him, right on top of him, look out at the crowd and punch a guy 10 times in the face, get the crowd going. I know it's great. I know it's classic. I know that it's going to be hard for a lot of people to let that specific thing go. I'm going to talk to you right now about some ways that you can make it okay, where you can, you can actually sort of blend the two together. But just think about what I just said. If people are realizing that one good punch to the face is probably going to A, Break the guy throwing its hand. It could very well if they're not wearing gloves or if they're not super well trained or conditioned. And then number two is going to break the other person's face and knock them out. And if you punch someone 10 times in the face, unprotected, and your hand is fined and their face is not hamburger meat. <laughs> I mean, what are you telling people there? You're just 
exposing the business at that point. Okay. It's just like, you know, we hear examples like that all the time, especially in training about exposing the business and keeping things realistic. And then yet things like the 10 punch in the corner just slip right through because it's, it's something we've always done, right? It's not okay to do something just because it's always been done that way. That's not the right answer to that. We learn, we evolve, new information comes out every single day and pro wrestling is no different. We learn new things every single day. Like you said, John, mm-hmm. as a fan, you know, I love that back in the day. Yeah. I love seeing Sure, that. of course. But now watching it, you know, I can't, you know, if a guy's getting hit even three or four times, yeah. you know, not covered up and, yeah. you know, straight punches to the face. Yes. I mean, it, it takes me out of it. It so. really does. And I, I, I totally agree. And, um, uh, you know, the 10 punch is the extreme. But like you just said, I mean, a couple punches in the middle of the ring, if their hands aren't up, if they're not trying to protect themselves, it's kind of odd when nothing happens. No Nobody falls, there's no blemishes on their face, etc. Um, so you can't punch someone 10 times and walk away without scraped knuckles or an unconscious man. So let's talk about some ways to avoid this, some ways to transform this, some ways to make it okay here in 2021. All right, so number one, simple, keep it way less than 10 punches. How about one? So climb up, what, what if you climb up in the turnbuckle, on top of your opponent, look out at the crowd, raise your fist. Everybody knows what's coming. Here we go. You pull it back. You hit one solid punch, and then either your opponent slips out, maybe they get away from it, or at that point, after the first solid punch, they stick their hands up and start protecting their face. It's it's easy, guys, just to do that. So if you perform something like the 10 punch, you can maintain some semblance of realism just by having your opponent cover their face up and protect themselves. So I want to talk about some actual different styles of punching. I'm talking about the the 10 punch in the corner a lot, but let's talk about a few different things. Um, Aaron was talking to me about things like like, like haymakers and body shots, jabs, the different styles of punching. Like, like how about road dog from DX? And, and, you know, I, I brought, I brought up dusty roads back in the day. They threw those short jabs. I don't see that a lot nowadays. Now here's another thing. And again, you know, different time, different era. You know, back in Dusty Rhodes' day, and even Road Dog, they they because I'm pretty sure Road Dogs was a was an homage to Dusty because they kind of did the same thing, mm-hmm. those multiple jabs in a row and a little dance and stuff. And um, you can that that really won't even fly today because they're hitting multiples in a row. Again, though, guys, you control that by having your opponent cover their face up, at least pretend like you're trying to protect yourself. It's pro wrestling, guys. Make it look real just by adding small things. Maybe you're attempting to duck and dodge. Maybe you're attempting to put your hands up and blocking some of these punches. That way you're giving the crowd an out to be like, why should I believe this? Okay, so if you're like Aaron who just said, you know, it takes him out of it when he sees a few punches land in a row and nothing happens, at least now you're giving the person that loves MMA and pro wrestling that knows a little bit better an out. Because then in my mind, at least I can go, okay, well, he's trying to protect himself. It's, it's a small thing. Yeah. But it helps a lot. It helps it keep it less, you know, less phony, less exposing the business, makes everything just a little bit better. But aside from that, I, I'm glad you brought that up, the, the road dog punches and whatnot, and talking about body shots and, and jabs and whatnot, because I also think that in pro wrestling a lot nowadays, n- number one, I tell people a lot of days when I'm training, I'm like, maybe you don't need to punch. If you look at me personally, look at my style of punching, I don't really like my punches. They're not that great. I throw these big overhead like hammer fists. It's actually really similar to John Cena. Um, if you've ever seen him punch these big, you know, big old ham fists just coming kind of down like hammer shots. Mm-hmm. And 
they're not bad, but I actually don't really like the way they look. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take punching out of my game. And I started using a single jab that I always had my opponent bump from, and then I would always go for a pin after. And that worked a lot better for me. And other than that, I just threw a lot of forearms and elbows. Like that was just a different thing for me, mainly because I just did not like the way that they looked. So sometimes you have to, you have to realize that, guys. You may not need to punch. If it doesn't look good, why do it? But there's all different styles of punching out there. You've got the big overhead haymakers. You've got the body shots. Shots to the body, I love. Um, one of the, the best things that I love so much is when I hear Arn Anderson talk about things like, you know, what if you, what if you are trying to hurt a guy's ribs? You've, you've been working a guy's ribs the whole match. You, you're punching him in the stomach or you're giving him gut busters or whatever, you know, abdominal stretches. You're working over a guy's ribs. So what does that guy do? He protects his ribs. He puts his arms down. He's constantly hugging his midsection. He's protecting his ribs. So Arn Anderson says, how do, you get, how do you get to the guy's ribs if he's protecting him? Easy. You punch him in the face. And as soon as you punch him in the face and he reaches his hands up to right. either A, hold his broken nose, or B, protect his face, now his ribs are open. You start laying in the body shots. So body shots is an art that, that does not get used enough nowadays. And that's another thing just to think about, just so you're not just throwing those big haymakers every single time and wondering why your opponent's face doesn't look like hamburger. Well, maybe you punch him in the stomach a few times. At least then you don't have to worry about, you know, your, your knuckles probably aren't getting broken on their midsection and, uh, and you don't have to worry about bruises showing up immediately and all that good stuff. So no, I, I can't think of a whole lot of matches yeah. where I'm like, Oh man, those were some great punches. Right. You know, uh, you mm. know, I think to me it feels like almost like filler, which I'm sure it needs yes. to be in a fight. Like you're going to yeah. punch. So it's kind of filler. Yep. But also it just kind of hit me. I think most people know how it mm -hmm. feels to get punched punched in yeah. the face, but they don't know how it feels to get hit with an elbow necessarily. Sure. Or so, you, sure. you know, at least I've never been hit with an elbow in the Absolutely. face. Absolutely, yeah. So to me, if you get punched in the face, you know, man, that should have knocked him out. If you get yeah. hit with an elbow, I've never been hit with an elbow across yeah, who the face of my nose. I'm not that's quite right. sure. No, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. Like that's a great that's a great thing to, to think about as well, guys. Like. A lot of people have been punched in the face. I mean, it happened, or at least punched in some way or another. They know what it feels like. So when they see it, and they and then they're like, "Well, that person didn't react how I reacted. Are they tougher than me, or was that a little phony?" Like, and kind of back to your point, like there there are a few out there where I can think, "Man, those are those are pretty good punches." But for the most part, the reason you feel like they might be filler is because they're filler. I mean, it's that simple. Like. I think a lot of guys get lost or, or not even, maybe not lost. Maybe it's just like, okay, it's time to transition to the next sequence or whatever in, in pro wrestling in a match. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Oh, I'll throw a punch. Yeah. Maybe you don't do that. Okay. Maybe instead you, you grab a headlock or you just grab them and shove them around or, you know, there's all different things you can do guys. Grab a hold, grab a wrist, grab anything to where you're not just punching someone over and over and over again. So we've talked a lot about punching, but Anytime you deliver a punch in a pro wrestling match, and I'm serious, guys, anytime, I want you to sell your hand in some way. There's lots of different ways to do that. You could shake your fingers out. You could smile at the crowd, pop your knuckles, or pop them in pain. You could rub them like they're, like they're hurting. You know, um, you, can, you can hold your fingers weird and twisted and, you know, curl them up and make people think, oh, man, his knuckles must be swollen up. You know, all these different things. There was this... So I'll reference a match. There was a, it was Triple H and Shawn Michaels. They had a Hell in a Cell, and the in that match, like Shawn Michaels throws all these punches, and the announcers keep talking about, "Wow, look how swollen his knuckles are!" 
And as a fan, I bought every single second of it. I was like, oh man, his hand is broken because he's been punching Triple H in the face so much. It was all nonsense. I mean, not nonsense. It was just part of the show. Yeah. You know, it's, the announcers were doing their job. They're like, wow, look at Sean's hand. And then you look at his hand and you're like, it does look kind of swollen. <laughs> it's not. But it, it's yeah. so, that's a great thing. That's, that's the announcers doing their job to make what's happening in the ring make sense you know, as well. So that's another thing. But sell your hand, guys. Sell it in some way. Like I said, shake your fists out. Pop your knuckles. Rub your hand. Hold your fingers weird. All different kinds of things you can do. It's super simple. We're trying to create the illusion of combat. One solid punch is going to ruin someone's night. MMA has shown us that over and over again. So we need to make some subtle variations, some subtle adjustments to protect that for ourselves. John, that was a yep. great point. And I hadn't really thought about how the wrestlers in the ring mm-hmm. are also selling to the announcer so they can sell the story better. Sure. I, I mean, that's, uh, man, that was a great point. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's teamwork, guys. If you have a big production that has announced teams and stuff like that, um, it's all teamwork and it's them, you know, now how do you, you know, so think about a, a, you know, a, a popular sports broadcaster, I guess MMA. So think about like Joe Rogan or whatever. And, and think about him having to sit there watching a pro wrestling match or comment. What if he had to commentate on a pro wrestling match and they're punching like crazy nonstop? Yeah. I mean, is he either, is he going to say, is he going to, number one, he can't, expect, he's there to do a job, right? So he can't just be like, wow, that's crap. Those punches must be fake because it's not doing anything. So what does he have to do? Be quiet and kind of and do nothing. Or he can protect himself a little bit and be like, man, I think that guy's hand is broken. Look at his fingers, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, it's nonsense. But it makes sense in the terms of now we have a narrative, now we have a story, yeah. and it makes sense for everyone else. Keep everyone else safe, protected. All right. So we talked a lot about punching. I'm going to move on. And what I've done today, guys, is I've kind of just come up with a lot of the things that we do in pro wrestling that I think need to be transformed, need to be changed. Punching is, is probably the most glaring one right at the top. But I'm going to move on to one of the ones that are equally, if not you know, more bad. More bad. And my, my grammar is great today, guys. But anyways, early. That's okay. So we're going to talk today about the rear naked choke. Call it what you will. The Coquina Clutch from Samoa Joe, Kirafuda Clutch, Shayna Baszler, or the Sleeper Hold. And I, I'm, I'm not going to get into an argument, guys, because there are people that will swear up and down that there's a difference between a rear naked choke and a sleeper hold. And that's just nonsense. There's no difference. It is the same hold. It's being sold differently over the years. And I'll tell you what, one reason why it's been sold differently over the years in pro wrestling, where, again, we go back to the classic pro. So another classic pro wrestling thing is you get the sleeper hold. They fight, fight, fight. Then they drop to their knees. And then the referee starts lifting their arm one time, two times three times and either it falls and they ring the bell or it stays up and the guy starts, you know, the crowd gets behind him and he stands, mm-hmm. comes back to life all of a sudden out of this chokehold. Um, that guys, that's just as unrealistic as the 10 punch in the corner. You are choking the life out of your opponent. If his arm goes down for that first count, it's going down for the third count. It's, it's just, it's another one of those examples. And we don't do that anymore. Okay. And I know that sucks again for a lot of the classic guys, Rowdy Roddy Piper, one of the greatest performers in the history of pro wrestling. His finishing move was the sleeper. The classic ending to all of his matches was the was the raise the arm three times, you know, sequence at the end. And I'm I'm here to tell you right now that it just doesn't work in today's era. And that's nothing against Roddy Piper because he was from a different era. And you can still go back and enjoy and love all his performances and his matches. That's perfectly fine. But today we don't get to say. Well, Roddy Popper did it. 
trust me, number one, you're probably not Roddy Piper, okay? And, you know, I'm, I'm not Roddy Piper. Like, it's, it's, it's something you just have to admit. And number two, again, we get new info. New things become popular. We have to evolve. We have to transform. And you can't be afraid of that. So, what's MMA taught us? Nine times out of ten, if a true rear-naked choke gets sunk in, that fight is over. Yes. I mean, simple as that, guys. And it's over in seconds. So in the past, you'll see wrestlers inside a sleeper hold or a choke hold or, or a coquina clutch or whatever you want to call it. And they're in it for, what, two to five minutes? You know, and they're, they're, their arm comes up, they reach for the ropes, and they have to fall back down. And their arm comes up, they reach for the ropes, they fall back down. The crowd comes alive, so all of a sudden they can breathe again in this choke hold and they stand up. I know, I get it, right? I get that involving the audience and all that stuff. I'm telling you right now, you can't do it with this move anymore. There's plenty of holds you can still do that with. This is not one of them. Battling to escape, having the referee do the classic arm drop three times, that stuff just doesn't work anymore. In today's world, that play is simply gone. It's out of the book. No more. It's a thing of the past, and it can't exist in modern wrestling. And you know, John, I love, I love that. I uh-huh. love the choke. Of and course, the arm drop. yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like if yeah. it happened, you know, tomorrow night. Yep. On, uh, WWE, yeah, I, yeah. I'd be like, nope. No. Yeah. But I'll go back and watch those old matches. Sure. And I love it just as much as I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it just can't be uh, put in there today like it used to be. Absolutely. The, the only way I think you could do that is if there was an indie show where they were like, we're the 1980s, like black, back to the past, like wrestling. Right. And everyone knew that it was... You if know, everybody if, was on board with it, yes. I, I totally agree. And, then, yeah, and yeah. then you could be able you know, to... Everybody's on board with, with, with that. I mean, there's all kinds of... Pro wrestling is a great world where you can do crazy things. There's way crazier examples of that than stuff out there. Um, there there's, there's a company called Chikara, and they do, they do wild things. Like, there's an opponent that, that wears a mask like a snake, and he would hypnotize his opponents, and the whole crowd would get into it. And they loved it because they were all part of the show. Yeah. That's fine in situations like that. But here's the problem is if you then take that performance and broadcast it, you know, worldwide, internationally, you're going to get more hate than good. Yeah. You know, but it works great for that. If you're there for that, if you're there for '80s night, if you're there for whatever, yeah. it's going to be great. But like, as us trying to create global appeal and and mm-hmm. be you know international superstars, it, can't be done. it just can't be done. So, the rear naked choke in real life leads to about you know five to ten seconds, if you're lucky, of struggle, followed by a tap out or an instant pass out. So imagine the MMA fan who watches wrestling and sees someone inside a chokehold for two minutes. Like, it's just, it just doesn't fly, guys. And we, I don't, you know, pro wrestling is what it is. It's some, some people love it, hate it, and it does get new fans every day. But I, I like to avoid those things that make brand new people. Like if your buddy's excited and he's watching it and you go over to his house and you don't watch pro wrestling, and, but you're an MMA fan and you look up at the TV and you don't want to see something that instantly makes you go, God, this stuff sucks. Why are you watching this? You know, so a two-minute chokehold is probably going to get that out of an MMA fan. They're they're and, not going to fly. And there's so many radio shows mm-hmm. and um, even uh, some like stuff on Facebook yeah. where MMA and WWE is combined. Sure, like there's pro wrestling and MMA like Facebook pages like absolutely. Oh yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's already it. intertwined mm-hmm. in the industries that have come together. So it has to. For sure. That direction. There's been plenty of crossover with, with even the people that we're going to talk about a few later. But, I mean, you know, I mean, you've got Brock Lesnar. You've got Ronda Rousey. Like, that, those are huge stars. Like, huge stars in, in both industries. So, there's plenty of crossover. But, all right, guys. So, how do we fix this? Yeah. Okay? Because 
I do still think that the choke, the rear naked choke, the sleeper hold has a place in pro wrestling. I really honestly do. Um, so here's some small adjustments that you can do to keep these moves realistic, to keep them protected. And one of the easiest, simplest ones is the victim, the person inside the choke, reach up with one hand, either hand, doesn't matter, and grab the forearm of the person doing the hold and never let go. That's all you gotta do. Just put your hand there. That way, at least for visual sake, you create the illusion that maybe the hold isn't properly applied and that's why the match isn't over. You're now giving your announcers an out. You're allowing the announcers to now say, oh, look, you see his hand is there? That's Now he has his fingers between so-and-so's forearm and his own throat, that's why he's not unconscious. It's as simple as that, okay? You don't actually have to have your fingers in there, you just need to have your hand up there for visual representation that you are not being choked to death, okay? It just gives everyone an out, it gives people on the outside looking into the business a reason to kind of believe what's happening in the ring, it gives you as the fan who knows, ah, you know, chokeholds really usually end stuff, it gives you a reason to be like, oh, well, but they don't have it in, because look, he's got his hand up there. So that's just a small thing that you can do to keep that move more realistic. Also, don't be lazy with your chokehold. So this goes for the person applying it. I see this too much. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I've seen this in the ring at WWE, and I, I don't I don't understand it sometimes. I don't understand how some people aren't pointing it out because to me, it's, it's as clear as day. Lazy chokeholds. You can apply them well. You can make them sink in deeper. You can pull your arm all the way around to where you have your, the, the crook of your elbow like right over their chin and you really it really looks like you're just killing them. Like, that's great. And then they have their hand up there so everybody has an out. But being super loose with your arm to where their head is just basically spinning underneath your arm, it, it, it's a dead giveaway that nothing good is happening there. And at that point, it's just like applying a lazy arm lock or a lazy leg lock or a lazy anything, throwing a, a weak punch. Like It's a dead giveaway that what's happening is really just filler or, or you're, you're just you know doing a rest hold, you're trying to breathe. And we just don't need that, guys. If you're not going to do it good, don't do it at all. Sink that sucker in. So one more thing that I really want to mention about this, I, I kind of briefly talked about it when we first started, but here's another thing about these sleeper holds, choke holds, um, coquina clutch, all this good stuff. Go shorter. You do not have to hold that sucker for two minutes, right? You don't have to hold it for five minutes. Get that in there. Make your statement. If it's, if it's contributing to your match, if this is a hold that you actually want to get over and it's contributing to your match, that's great. Hold it for a much less time and have the person reverse it, go into the next sequence, have them get to the ropes, have the referee break it, blah, blah, blah. All that good stuff. But So Aaron brought up a good point to me when he talked about, you look at some of the wrestlers that have gotten really popular and famous in the WWE over the years, starting all the way back with Ken Shamrock. Of course, you got Brock, you got Ronda. Those people didn't even use the choke hold. They didn't even use the rear naked choke. Um, you know, Ken used the, the ankle lock, and you had Brock with the Brock lock, and of course, the famous Ronda Rousey arm bar. Yeah. Yeah, none of them were using the choke. And I, yeah. You know, I don't know this for sure, but I would assume that's for a reason. Because, sure. I mean, if Brock got you in a chokehold, yeah, yeah. one, it's not going to be as theatrical. It's like that bear hugging you to Hulk Hogan, you know, yeah, yeah. sitting there doing that. Or that Brock lock that just makes him look overpowering to yeah. be able to hold that guy over his head and yeah. pull on his leg. I mean, it's just big and uh, scary. It and is. Kind of, a, you know, appealing to the crowd more. Um, but, you know, the chokehold's not. And, of course, man, when... Um, 
Ken Shamrock putting mm-hmm. that ankle up. It's great. I mean, he, he was so intense looking whenever he would do that. Absolutely. I, I think, though, the biggest thing that when I was thinking about this and the chokehold versus other submissions mm-hmm. is um, all of those that they used was based more on pain tolerance. Yeah. It's not based on I'm going to choke them out. Yeah. Cut off the air It was supply. based on pain tolerance. So um, when uh, Bret Hart mm-hmm. had Stone Cold yeah. in his hold. In the sharpshooter, yeah. In the sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Stone Cold took all took. A, I mean, he didn't give up. He passed out. Right, right, right. It was pain tolerance. It wasn't such a great away. moment. Yeah, and it's it's that's a great that's a great reason to think about not using a sleeper hold, choke hold, etc. I do think they have a place still, but think about that. Think about especially if you're considering using it as some type of a finisher or anything like that as a as a signature move. It's hard to sell it, right? Because you're we we discussed this before we even started recording, but it's hard to sell that move because you have no you can't breathe, so you can't be in a sleeper hold, look at the crowd, and start screaming, "No, I'm not tapping out." You can't because you're being choked. Now, if you're in a if you're in an arm bar, if you're in a Brock lock, if you're in an ankle lock, if you're in a sharpshooter, you can do that yeah. because it's based on pain tolerance, and you can express, you can open your mouth and speak, you can open your eyes wide, you can reach your hand out towards the crowd. All that great stuff. So it's easier to sell. It's more expressive. It's louder. It's more impressive on, on a visual and an audio audio scale. That's another reason just not to use things like chokeholds. And as a fan, mm-hmm. I am if like that Stone Cold Bret Hart match. Um, my emotions are You're going in. crazy. Yeah. I am like, you got to get there. My yep. God, he's bleeding out. Yep. You know, it, it's going crazy to really sell that to me. It, it, and it the chokehold just in. can't do yeah. that anymore. It can't sell it with the arm drop anymore, but those submissions yep. can. And like I said, I think there was probably a reason why they went that route versus uh, I mean, it's doing the choke and on a base level, if you really just break them down on a base level, the chokehold is just not a visually impressive thing to do. They do it in MMA because they're trying to win. They want to win and have a victory. Exactly. That's a finisher move. That, in the in the WWE or in pro wrestling in general, your whole goal is to be large and impressive and expressive and visual to everyone in the in the tenth row and the first row. So the sleeper hold really doesn't translate that well to something like that. So again, guys, just food for thought. If you're thinking about making that a staple of your offense, maybe there's better things out there to do to where you can allow because your opponent really does get kind of shoeboxed into a certain way to sell mm-hmm. when they're in that. And there's multiple ways to sell. If you're in a leg lock or an arm lock or a, a, a bear hug even or anything like that. Yeah. So. What's that thing? Um, uh, I can't think of his name. Mm-hmm. He's the champ now. The big old oh, muscular um, dude. Uh, Bobby Lashley? Yeah, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, the, I, don't, I don't know what he called The full Nelson, the, whatever. Yeah. I forget what he's calling it. But um, uh, it's a great, another big, huge, expressive. You're both standing up. Like that's as big as, and tall as you can get. And he's waving your arm, and your arms are straight up in the air, and you're waving you around. You know they've called that numerous things over the years, the master lock and, and whatnot. But it's the full Nelson. It's a great hold. It's, I'm I'm glad that he's back using it. It's awesome. All right, we're gonna move on, guys, away from the sleeper hold to another hold that I really think gets abused, at least in the early days. And I I was probably guilty of it, as a matter of fact, because you just didn't know. It goes back to what Aaron was saying earlier about a lot of people have taken punches to the face, but maybe they haven't taken elbows, so they don't know what should happen. So I've never been in a an arm bar, a cross arm breaker, uh, arm lock, whatever you want to call it, the judo arm bar, Juji Katami is the, is the like professional name for it. Um, 
I think it's one of the most overused in terms of actual danger in pro wrestling. And, and, and I mean that in terms of like how it's sold versus how it would actually happen in real life. And I've never been in it. So earlier in pro wrestling, before MMA, I didn't know any better. You just do it and it's just a hold and you just use it to transition to the next thing. It's filler, it's rest, it's all that good stuff. Now we know, thanks to people like Ronda Rousey and, and others, that one of those cross arm breakers properly applied is instant goodbye. Yeah. And if, if you don't tap out and the referee doesn't stop it in time, it's probably going to be a dislocated elbow. Like, it's super, super, super dangerous. So that move in general, um, it's brutally dangerous in martial arts. We saw Ronda Rousey defeat, you know, how many people with this hold in, like, the first round uh, constantly. That was her big claim to fame for the longest time and merely seconds after it was applied. Um, so I do believe that it's gotten better over the years. But I think the armbar is still being misused to this day in pro wrestling. And the really good thing about this, because we were kind of talking about the sleeper last time, and I said put your hand on their forearm to kind of give you an out, give you some realism there. I think there's actually more and more visually appealing ways and easier ways to keep this move realistic and still use it in pro wrestling. So simply having the victim, the person in the hold, reach up and put their hands together still is pretty visually appealing because you have one person fighting like crazy to get this arm bar and one person fighting like crazy to prevent it from happening. It's not you two laying in this hold and just, is he going to tap? No, I don't tap. Is he going to tap? No. It's, it's two people struggling like a real fight yeah. to either maintain or prevent a hold from happening. So reaching up, grabbing your hands, having, your, having the person applying the hold constantly break the hands, go to apply it, but then the hands get caught again. Break them again. Just like what you would do in a real fight. Like if, if I'm in a bar fight, I'm not going to like stick my chin up there and just take a bunch of punches to the jaw 10 times in a row. I'm going to be covering myself up. Think about that in the pro wrestling ring. If somebody, if somebody throws me on the ground and starts like, I'm like, holy crap, this dude's trying to like break my arm. I'm going to fight with all of my ability to get my hands you know, together or to prevent him from applying whatever he's trying to do. So fight for it and have your opponent fight to apply it. It makes it look more realistic. So all that great things, trying to maintain your hands. Um, as long as you're constantly fighting to get it, you can keep up the mirage that the hold is actually being applied. Um, the real problem is, you know, we're talking about the sleeper hold and this move. They're really not eligible for rest holds anymore. They're, they're, yeah. it's, it's just not feasible. They're too dangerous. They're too popular nowadays. And if you do what I just said, where you're trying to apply the hold and then your opponent is constantly trying to reverse the hold, you're not resting. So you're not going to get any rest in that. It's going to look great, but it's, you're not going to be resting. And then if you do rest in it, it's completely unrealistic because your arm should be broken or the match should be over. You should be tapping, all that good stuff. So you have to let it go, guys. Um, there's plenty of other holds you can use to get your breath back. So many classic great pro wrestling holds that you could use instead that will help you get back to where you need to be if you're trying to get your breath back, if you're trying to do a rest hold for either, or if you're trying to discuss what the next spot is. All that good stuff that we have to do in pro wrestling sometimes to talk to each other. Way more things to pick from than the sleeper hold or the cross arm breaker. Just, just think about it, okay? Just think about how you're looking at it from a standpoint of this is a real thing, a real hold that could really stop a fight. All right, y'all, before we move on, I want you to head on over to Instagram and Facebook, type in at how to become a pro wrestler and join us. Join us on Instagram. I'm dropping all kinds of cool stuff there every single day. 
Follow the stories on there. Cool stuff pops up there. Please go on over to Facebook, look us up, like our page, and join our private Facebook group. If you heard one of our previous episodes, we did a Q&A. We answered all kinds of good questions from that group. We're going to start doing that more and more and more as the group grows. So join that group, and that'll give you an opportunity to ask us questions. You can not only ask us questions when we, when we want you to, you can ask us questions anytime about the stuff we talk about here. Do you think the cross-arm breaker is, is a rest hold? I'd love to hear your argument. But please, you could jump in there. We can talk about all this cool stuff. If you want to hear more specific examples of what you can do instead, just holler at us. Ask us. I'll help you out. All right, guys. Moving right along, I want to talk about the referees. So we've talked about on here before how we need to keep our referees strong. We need to allow the referees to look like they are the authority in the match. I mean, they are. That's that's what they're there for. Don't disrespect them. Don't mistreat them. So I want to talk about something that that pro wrestling has started doing that MMA is, you know, does nearly every time, just about if there's an actual finish in a match, and that is referee stoppage, where the referee actually has to either stop the match because of a submission tap out, a submission pass out, a knockout. This is uh, these are all things that pro wrestling has dabbled in. They've tried to do with some success, with some failures, even on the scale of WWE Top levels of WWE, I'm still seeing this not being performed properly, the referee stoppage. So I want to talk about that today, guys. That's what we're going to close on here. So remember a few episodes back, like I said, we discussed the referees need to be kept strong. It starts right there. Be sure you're not abusing your referee, asking he or she to do stupid things. The referee should have authority in your match. Um, you have to fight within the referee's rules. That actually helps you guys. It helps you to fight within the referee's rules because then if you're the heel and you break those rules, it gives the fans something to call you out on. It makes you know more interaction with the fans, which is what we're there for, trying to draw them in. You know, It gives you more things to play with as a bad guy. If everything is just no holes barred, go for it, go to town. I mean, what's the referee even there for in the first place? So it even makes it better you know, if you fight within the rules and the and the, the heels breaking the rules kind of, you know, intelligently behind the referee's back, when the referee ultimately catches the bad guy cheating, makes them look even more powerful when they reprimand them. So that's a great thing to do. So keep your referee strong. I just kind of wanted to reiterate that before I actually moved into what I want to talk about, which is referee stoppage as the finish of a match. So the idea is that the referee is stepping in with the safety of the victim, the safety of the person getting you know, on the, on the end of the offense as a priority. So a referee stoppage means the match, um, the, that the instant that a performer is unable to defend themselves, the referee is going to stop in. So, like I said earlier, no more three-count arm drops. If the arm dropped one time, the match is over. Period. Well, I've seen that, and WWE has started doing that. If the rare times when the referee actually does still check the arm, this is another thing that this, it's just inconsistency. This is kind of what WWE is guilty of, but a lot of us are. Um, it's inconsistency. I've seen matches in the last couple years where the referee will lift the arm and it drops one time, matches over. I understand that. Or the referee will look and be like, oh, they're unconscious and stop the match. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, what's, why are we even doing the arm thing anymore? Because obviously in MMA, they don't do that. They don't, they don't, yeah. don't raise the arm, you know, um, so why, why keep one or the other around at all? Just go with the realistic MMA approach and just stop the match. So this is going to be a reoccurring theme in this particular topic because I think this is the answer to why they still do that. 
pro wrestling, as we all know, is very visual. We're trying to bring the fans in, trying to entertain everyone. We want the person in the, the 10th, 15th, 20th row to be able to see and appreciate everything going on just as much as the people in the front row. Mm-hmm. So I think that using things like the arm lifting and dropping is visually appealing enough to where even the fan in the very back can be like, oh, I get it. I get it. He's unconscious. I understand now. That's what that's for. But in today's world of MMA, etc., we have to get away from it because people understand now. Holy crap, they're unconscious. I have to protect them, get the opponent off of them, and stop this fight. Mm-hmm. So no more three-count arm drops. One arm drop signifies the match is over. You can still use that to your advantage to tease the crowd. Okay, so this also means covering yourself while you're being attacked with kicks and punches. A referee with your actual safety in mind, with, with actual authority, is not going to let you sit there and yeah. take 10 unprotected shots to the face. It's just not realistic. If he's actually there, he or she's actually there to keep you safe, there's no way they're going to be okay with you being punched in the face so many, so many times for a prolonged period of time through the course of a match. So, still to this day, I see top-level referees struggling with the stoppage decision. And I think it's because they've been given the wrong directions from superior, etc., blah, blah. I, I know, you know, there's a lot of different... Because there's going to be guys, you know even on a WWE scale, in the backstage area, they've hired people that are not necessarily from a pro wrestling background now. They've probably hired plenty of people from MMA backgrounds who get it, but then you have the classic pro wrestling people who don't get it, so they kind of butt heads. Referees get kind of caught in the middle sometimes. It's unfortunate. But um, I see unconscious wrestlers with referees looking at them and, and screaming, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And this is, this is funny because I wrote this point in our notes here before we looked at the video just before we started recording of Stone Cold and Bret Hart's match with um, with Ken Shamrock as the referee, and we saw it there. That was and that's that's you know WrestleMania 13. That's that's you know a long time ago. You see that Stone Cold is completely unconscious. He is face down and motionless in a pool of blood. It's an amazing moment. But and then Ken Shamrock gets right over him and facing the camera as loud and and obvious as you could possibly get. And he goes, Austin, do you give up? Like as slow and just pronounced as could be. And the reason is he was obviously coached to be like, okay, we're going to do something weird. We're going to do a referee stoppage tonight. So you need to make this for the dumb wrestling fan look obvious. And I'm, back then, I understand why they did it. I understand. Today, though, you don't have to do it that way. Today, we get it. If someone's unconscious, you have to stop this. For their safety, you know, MMA is so popular. For their safety, you have to stop this because we get it when they're unconscious. So you don't have to be like that. You don't have to have an unconscious man laying there, passed out, and you going, are you okay? Are you okay? It's like, no, they're not okay. You can tell. So, guys, it's okay to just throw the decision if they're unconscious. If you're going to do a finish like that, be sure you do it intelligently and keep your referee safe. So, yeah. I don't know if this would fly or not, but Uh you tell me. Um, So, you know, in MMA, Mm -hmm. the referee will put himself 
mm-hmm. in between the Absolutely. guys to save yeah. the other. Basically, he'll put himself in harm yeah. to be able to make sure this other guy is safe. He'll yeah. dive in there and try to get it. Would that be something that the ref, do you think the ref mm-hmm. could do that now? And Absolutely. Like, and I, mean, I, I, I don't have a specific example, but I've seen it in pro wrestling. Yeah. I have seen it. I've seen it in WWE, I'm pretty sure. I don't have an example off the top of my head. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure as we keep scrolling down my notes here, we're going to find that because I'm pretty sure I put that in there mm-hmm. where, where I put the referee should actually physically place themselves uh-huh. in between the the person doing the hold and the person absorbing the hold or the, or the knockout or whatever. Um I think the because the result of not doing that, not actually stopping the match right then and there, is you get an awkward finish. You get um, fans who have already been kind of trained just because of the popularity of MMA to understand what a referee stoppage is, looking at it going like, why are they taking so long? Yeah. Like, why is this so weird? Wow, that's awkward. Like, And, and that's just another thing you do not need to add to pro wrestling. So... Um, Sorry, I jumped ahead of you. There. No, you're good. You're good because we're moving right. No, that's perfect because it. I'm glad that it makes sense to you because it should. So, referee stoppage. If a performer is rendered unconscious or is unable to defend themselves, the referee's first responsibility is not to rush over to the timekeeper, yeah. to rush over to the bellkeeper or, or the announcer or whoever it is that's ringing the bell, stopping the matches. You do not. If a man is in a chokehold and he is unconscious. And you look at him and you go, ooh, he's unconscious. And then you run in the other direction to go, hey, ring the bell, he's out. And then you come back to break the hold. Are you kidding me? That is not having the performer's safety in mind. The first thing that you do is you physically break that hold yourself. I mean, there you go. If strikes are being thrown, the referee should physically throw himself between the wrestlers to stop the match and then have the bell called. Same goes for a submission. If someone passes out from a submission, be it like Austin and the sharpshooter or anyone else, the first thing you need to do is make sure that the opponent breaks the hold. Grab them and physically remove them. Throw your body on top of them. Whatever you got to do to keep their safety in mind and stop the hold. And then if it hasn't rang right there because the timekeeper's paying attention, then you can point over there and have the bell ring. That's fine. As soon as their safety has been taken care of. So, you got to dive in there like Herb Dean used to do. Back that's there. right. That's right. Oh, Herb Dean, you're absolutely right. Keep their freaking safety as a priority. It makes the referee look even more powerful. It makes even more sense. So, guys, we talked about a lot today. Okay, it's super important to understand this when you're thinking about creating your own matches and whatnot. The rise of MMA is not a bad thing for pro wrestling. I mean, there's been a, so much interaction between the two. It's an amazing business opportunity. So, wrestling still has tons of gray areas for entertainment that they can play with for every single fan. But the more serious fight fans who want to see a competitive match will not be satisfied with anything less than real. So, we can use these new twists on classic pro wrestling sequences to make pro wrestling better. Do not be afraid of change. And I put this in there for Aaron because he's always quoting Bruce Lee to me. Bruce Lee, man. Be like water, okay? Formless. If you flow in a cup, you're a cup. If you flow in a bottle, you're now a bottle. Be like water, okay? It's okay to change. It's okay to adapt. It's okay to get new information and transform and change the way that things are done. It's cool. That's how we do it. That's how we grow. That's how we persist. That's how we maintain. So, guys, do me a favor. If you like this episode, I want you to leave us a comment. I want you to review us. Subscribe to us. Let us know what you want to hear next. 
You can listen to this podcast on any of your favorite formats. Please, those reviews, those comments, they boost us so much. They give us so much opportunity to get seen by more people and offer you more podcasts for free every single week. So guys, thank you for listening to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast, where we are teaching you all the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. And don't wait for your opportunity, guys. Take it.